Hello and welcome to Off the Record. We have a very special episode today. It's raining out, it's pouring, I'm sad inside. Not in sunny Union City, New Jersey, buddy. It's coming up to you, man. You're gonna get it next. Your power's gonna go off just like mine. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Okay. Uh, low ground power, dog. Mo- modern air, modern world we live low in. Ground, low ground power. Let me just give a very quick mention. If you are, live in Chicago, and you are going to be in Chicago on Friday. Come see me do an emo night. It's not trademarked. Uh, it's after the Knuckle Puck main Real Friends show. Thank you very much for my plug. Jesse run. Jesse has a book called Get More Fans. That's his plug. Uh, Soon so, so to have another book that I titled as of yesterday. I heard you have. I heard. I saw that you got a great title. You haven't even told me yet. That's because we jumped, just jumped on this. We have to rush because you're a busy man. I'm a busy man. I'm a busy suit. Mm-hmm. This is called Off the Record. You can keep up up with us at offtherecord.fm. If you're listening live on Adobe, there's a chance this could be a long show, so you might want to subscribe to us after on iTunes or whatever podcast of choice you have to listen to the full thing and uh, leave us a review because Jesse needs more happiness in his life. It's true, I do. I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna rotate between saying one of us needs happiness and see where which week we get more iTunes reviews just to see who they care. <laughs> who about. has more sympathy? Yeah. Should I pull the can- cancer card and say it helps cure cancer? <laughs> Hey! <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. It's Please gonna, it's help, gonna, help, help my cured cancer. It's an AB test, basically. <laughs> nice, but we need the why. Yeah, or else it's all bullshit. <laughs> That's true. What, what? Okay, we have a big show planned today. We should. We should do well. This isn't follow up, but we wanted to discuss it, even though this week's show is not going to be about this. We wanted to discuss that all time low almost was number one. All Time Low had the best-selling album in America last week, and they had the number two album on Billboard. They sold 75,000 copies, sales. So, 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 Zach, explain to the kids, though, why you could have number one, number two, even if you sold the most. Because uh, it depends how you sell out. In December of 2014, Billboard uh, changed how their chart works in, in order to try to modernize themselves. And whether you agree with this or not, they made the change anyway. So... Previously, well, one more, one more explainer. Uh, SoundScan is the company and service that accounts for all record sales and single sales across the country each week. So, SoundScan and Billboard scans, uh, SoundScans and Billboard charts used to mirror each other. So, if you had the number one most selling album on SoundScan, you would have the number one album on Billboard. Again, like I was saying, SoundScan only accounts for sales um, for top sales charts. Billboard's change now factors in with single purchases and streams per album. So if you buy 1,500 copies of a single for an album, that accounts for one album sale. Fast and the Furious, the soundtrack, great film, uh, was, oh, number one, was number one last week on Billboard because there is a hit song, like mainstream real hit by Wiz Khalifa, and his streaming and single sales number catapulted like truly catapulted uh the furious seven soundtrack over all time lows future hearts and this is the difference and people are upset about it people don't care about it doesn't really matter all time Low still sold a lot of albums and are you upset for- about it no i think it's fine they had the most they, they sold a lot of records ultimately that's what matters more you know well you know what i, what I think because as we've discussed in the past i I actually actively don't like All Time Low. I think what they did was very bad for the punk scene. What did they um, do, Jesse? 
they, they like had promo pictures where they're like in bathing suits uh, showing off sorry, their hot sorry. pecs. So you, so you yeah. meant the? I, okay, sorry. I thought you. Yeah, meant, like, I just I think it brought uh, brought this scene to a very lame place. But I am always happy for any band that has an independent team that works scrappy and hard and gets this much success. And I'm psyched for that whenever this happens because it does help with the democratization of music, and that's what I care about much more than if these dudes are winning over 14-year-old girls with hot pecs. Hot pecs? I've got... Do you have hot pecs? I don't have hot pecs. I de- definitely don't have hot pecs. But you, you know what I want to say? Uh, I never thought I'd see the day I'd quote J.B. Yasta of Hatebreed, but he did have the best tweet about this. I did you don't, see it? Uh, I don't know anything about Hatebreed, if I'm going to be straight with you. That's that's actually probably for the best. That means yeah. that you're uh, a lot less likely to ever become a mook. A, a synergy band may be going on tour with Hatebreed soon, and I'm stoked, I guess, but that's all I know. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so J.B. Yasta wrote... Uh, all-time low sells 70,000 records. Gorgot sells 300 this week. It's very clear that 16-year-old girls buy records and metalheads buy weed. What's Gorgot? They're like a metal band. Okay. Most most people would infer that from the story. I didn't actually know who Gorgots was either. I just figured, you know, what he said, it's clear metalheads buy weed. I figured that's a metal band. Right, right. That's fair. Yeah, weed, all-time low. They'll get there soon. They're fans, I'm sure. It's true. I mean, you know, like three years later, some kid at, at the show when they go out right. and they explore, they go to the Mad Overboard show and they hear all those songs about smoking the W33D. Oh my all God. All of a sudden, they're going to be under the influence. Then they, then they become meth heads and then, like, you know, their lives are rude because marijuana is a gateway drug, right, Sarah Pillen? Okay. This is supposed <laughs> to be an episode that many people listen to, but forget it. <laughs> So we did want to do some follow-up because there was a lot of news today about Title, and we talked a lot about Title. Was that last week? Yes. Cool. Title fired 25 people, including their CEO. Yes, and replaced him temporarily with a uh, other guy there. And they also um, they went out of the top hundred seven places. Type top 700 list of popular iOS apps. And by the way, if you're below like 100, you're not popular. Uh, And it seems like the launch of Tidal actually boosted Spotify RDO beats in the app charts and uh, just plummeted Tidal out of existence. Uh, And there seemed to be a new string of larger artists like Ben Gibbard who have just come out and out and out and have kind of shamed Tidal. So it's kind of interesting. I I think the the one thing I'm going to, Defend title for a second. Okay. I see. Now we all know where creative thought goes to die is Facebook shares of articles. But like, I saw a lot of people be like, oh, title's dead. While I don't think title is going to be the streaming service that wins, counting them out this early, stranger things have happened. I wouldn't count them out. I think that, you know, what they announced today is that they're going to give access to more indie DIY artists being able to be discovered and things like that. I don't think that. They're necessarily going to be the most popular service, but I would not uh, put the fork in them just because they had a terrible launch. But I would also say some people said that about MySpace's Justin Timberlake relaunch, and (laughs) that was a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) So, do we have any other thoughts on title, or should we get into the the big, big... Let's get into the shebang shebang of the show. What Zach and I have noticed is, speaking of stupid things people share on Facebook, is that what gets talked about more that about Spotify on that subject is the myths and stupidity around Spotify. And we wanted to dedicate a show to giving a big picture so when your friend write, <clears throat> shares a stupid article about Spotify and Facebook, 
you can be informed instead of listening to the stupid bullshit they're saying. Yes, um, because we're always right, and your friend is most certainly wrong. It's probably because they're reading the dumb articles their other friends shared on Facebook. Yeah. And so what we're going to do, we have a bunch of stuff we want to talk about. We'll include notes in the show notes. Jesse will maybe even write something that includes math on it that will go up on my website with a link to this episode. So we want you to come along with us as, as we discuss several points and, and um, links and articles and thought, thought experiments and catalogs and things. How was that? That's a, that was, it was wondrous. <clears throat> okay. You're, you're, it's like you're getting good at this podcast. I, I know. I know. So, Jesse, did you know Spotify is worth a lot of money? It's apparently worth more than the whole music business. Spotify uh, is currently valued at $8.4 billion as calculated by the Wall Street Journal based on an upcoming $400 plus million capital round. And the U.S.-based recording valuation for the industry is currently valued at $6.9 billion. Uh, so Spotify is uh, apparently uh, valued at... billion more dollars than the music, the recorded music industry in the U S as a whole. Um, for those very quickly that don't understand much about, um, valuation and companies who have IPO would or not IPO would Spotify is a startup. Startups often take monies from investors. That does not mean that Spotify has $8.4 billion of money in the bank or assets or anything like that. But depending on how much money a company takes to be invested in, that raises their valuation as a company as a whole. So based on much more than $400 million of investment, Spotify is valued at $8.4 billion based on stock. That's a pretty significant number. Um, Spotify is referred to as a unicorn in, for tech investments. Only so many companies are worth more than one or valued more than $1 billion. And Spotify is valued at $8.4 billion. Uh, so that's a lot of money. Uh, and this, is. this naturally um, was a great sharing tidbit because it's like, wow, the music industry is a disaster. Spotify is everything, I guess. What I think that there's two interesting points to this is that one, we often hear that tech's in a bubble. And while I do kind of side with the people that say that we're not in a bubble. What is becoming very increasingly clear, and this um, happened like Slack CEO. So Slack is an app, Slack and I use. It's a chat app for businesses that you can basically do planning and then it's searchable and it's really good for keeping everybody communicated that's working on a project. Slack got valued at such a high valuation that their CEO even was like, this is stupid. And that's the big thing we're starting to see is that, yes, tech companies are getting these huge valuations, but there is a reason for that is because what they're building is about to be so valuable. It's crazy. And so one of the things I want, I think people don't get, and so to just kind of get a little bit into the weeds here, is that people are like, Spotify is not making money. They just had to get $400 million more million to stay afloat and everything. But what the big potential everybody sees is that Spotify is getting such insane analytics and demographical information about young people that they're going to be able to become a rival to Google ads and how well they can target kids, say to a brand, hey, you want Wiz Khalifa fans to drink your vitamin water drink, advertise on Wiz Khalifa's playlists and on his radio and on his channel. That's one of the big reasons that people who are like, well, streaming services are never going to make money are one kind of fools. And then two, why you're seeing these huge valuations is that people see the potential for how much income this can bring in. Mm, Yeah. Naturally, though, 
uh, one tool being larger than the music industry and valuation has set many people like in a tithy. Is that a proper word? Tithy? Yeah, tithy. I, I don't know if it's the, it's a, it's a word. I don't know if that's the one uh, that you should be using. right. It now. has set people on fire and anxiety and people have now be, <clears throat> sorry, it is, people are saying this has only uh, pushed people to share how awful Spotify is because it, it seems like the enemy to many people because many musicians are claiming that they're not making any money. So how could a service be valued more? And as we'll talk about uh, as this episode goes on, there's there's a general loss of understanding and context for a lot of these claims from musicians, from record labels, from uh, pundits, from Jesse, from me, from the world. And but there, there's luckily a lot of information came out in the past week or two, right, Jesse? Just yeah. About- I mean, well, the reason we decided to do this episode is, I think finally some of the light got shed where it became more comfortable to see that some of these. There's better explainers from people that know who are able to start explaining to you why we see so much stupid information about Spotify. Um, but I think you said something that we should back up on and before we get there and try to explain to people. So you will see some of your favorite musicians rant against streaming music. But my biggest thing is, is no one's come up with a better answer to combat piracy. And it's proven that things like Spotify and Netflix and these on-demand jukeboxes have decreased piracy and put money back into something that was bleeding and started to at least stop the bleeding somewhat. Mm -hmm. And I know it personally is that I always will fully admit I was a huge torrenter and it is so rare. I torrent something. In fact, the stupidest thing is, is I pay for cable. And the only time I torrent something is when I go on my on demand and a show I like, like Bill Maher or John Oliver isn't up yet. I have to torrent it even though I'm paying to you to see those shows. Yep. So we should say Spotify is the best solution anybody's come up with to stop piracy. And it was necessary. If you listen to the people who say, well, we should just music needs to have value. Music needs this. That's a lovely ideal. But the only way you can't just say this deserves this. You need to make it valued. And this and is we the should step say we that have. Spotify very much seems to be, uh, you know, seems while it may not have all the subscribers in the world and that there's room for competition, like. There are millions of people now that are paying for music. Yes, they're not paying singles, Mm. and maybe a good portion of them would pay for albums digitally, but maybe a large portion of them would not. And I think it's really important to just, you know, comprehend that, like, the game of streaming is nowhere near optimized yet, right? Like, we're we're still, like, in the—if you ask your dad, and your dad is a typical human being that's old-ish, he probably does not know what Spotify is. Three years into iTunes, if you asked a parent what iTunes was or what a MP3 was, they also probably didn't know, if they even know now. <laughs> it yes. takes a long time to recognize, to get a kind of you know culturally wide accepted new technology. And streaming will be, is, is the, clearly like the evolution of buying I, something from iTunes. And that means we're only a few years into this with Spotify right now, but they already have millions of people paying for their service and millions of more people um, that are being exposed to ads for or about music. And some of that trickles back down to artists. So while I don't think everything is perfect here, I, I do think we're in a very beginning portions and we're already seeing that some music is coming back instead of being torrented. Yeah. And I, th- I think to get into some of your dad metaphor, I should also say this. 
you and I are not here just to defend Spotify. That's no, not no, what no. this is going to yeah. be for the rest of the show. There is some serious, serious problems here, and we'll get into those too. But there does have to be a defense to get some of the stupidity that happens here. I also want to say the other thing about judging Spotify right now, and you see a lot of this as people say, this is never going to be profitable. This is never going to work. This is never, 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 never. This is like judging a three-year-old and, ju- and say whether they're going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. They could get into meth or they could go to the gym every day and become the best quarterback. There could be a world war and they go off to army and everything collapses and none of this happens. There's a lot of things that can happen. And judging at this earliest stage, just as we were kind of saying with title, it's really a fool's game. And if you see somebody doing that, really question that fool. Yeah. Uh, I just like what it's really exciting to me, like whether it's Spotify or any of these services or Apple or whatever. Like, it's exciting to me that uh, there's already success and it's still so early. Um, it unlike, unlike when iTunes launched, like, you could really only buy digital music cohesively through them. But, you know, what's interesting uh, with the present is that there's 15 streaming services between Spotify, RDO, Tidal, Beats, uh, Xbox Music, Google Play, etc. And... We're just seeing so much exposure and so much effort and competition, and, and that's ultimately good for everyone. Yes, agreed. Um, so let's get into the biggest, stupidest thing we see uh, posted around Facebook and the Twitter sphere, which is that artists aren't getting paid by Spotify. Did you know an artist has never seen a single dollar for Spotify and they're getting robbed and that they should sue? I heard they're going so far that Spotify camps out onto your bed and then jumps out like the boogie bed in the middle of the night. My gosh, that is frightening. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not an artist after all. I mean, I'd be pretty scared of uh, Sean Parker's haircut too if it jumped up at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, shit, that shit's rough, dog. Yeah. Um, so it turns out people do get paid. I, it's always so striking to me. Um, I manage several bands. Some of them have independent music distributed through TuneCore or other services. And I have friends who are similar. And um, I've seen thousands to tens of thousands of dollars of income through Spotify. Spotify alone doesn't count of RDO, doesn't count for Deezer overseas, doesn't count for Xbox, etc. So apparently I am the only person aware of that music is, uh, that you can make money on streaming, right? Like, do you think I'm the only one who has bands making money with streaming services or no? I have a feeling that you're not the only one making it because I, I don't think that they'd see pop punk as the most charitable music uh, to be charitable to. Huh, that is wild. So <laughs> so in the, in the show notes, uh, there will be a link to an article from Billboard um, called The Baffling and Slightly Insane World of Streaming Payments Explained. And so in this post, they, they kind of, Comically, uh, well, they, they they roast Jeff Barrow from Portishead. Did you know now, there's a band called Portishead? One of my favorite bands. Jeff Barrow is one of my favorite producers of all time. What does this band sound like? I feel like they're a metal band. Oh God, you're so off. Portishead were like this creepy, like metal they're kind bands. of like a one of kind. There's no one who sounds like Portishead. It's very cool. Now, I, back in the um, late '90s when I was coming up as a punk, it used to be the joke that every punk kid, when he tried to romance a normal kid, he or normal girl, he'd put on the Portishead record and be like, "Yeah, girl, what's up?" Can you see how Portishead sounds like a metal band to me? Oh, jeez. 
Um, they, they were kind of like they replaced the Smiths as the band you put onto it. Oh, wow. That's what they girl. sound like? Okay. No, they sound nothing like this. Uh, they, Portishead sounds like nothing else. It's like hip-hop beats, but like really old and creepy and weird sounding. It's really awesome stuff. I, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Jeff Barrow is a producer. He's done the Horrors. He's done the Quakers. He's a killer producer, but sadly... Are these all, ba- are these all band yeah, names? Yeah, yeah. Um, huh, there's, there's stuff cool kids listen to, not old, but regardless, old men who to be young. Your boy Jeff um, Burrow is but, not too uh, do, smart sometimes on social media. We should also say this though: I put the blame on services and labels too. Now okay. let's put well, let's put some more context around this because we haven't. So in this article by Billboard, uh, they they embed a tweet from Jeff of Portishead where he goes. 34 million streams, income tax, income after tax, 1,700 pounds. Thank you, Apple, YouTube, Spotify, and especially uh, Universal Music Group for selling our music so cheaply. So for more context, Jeff, is uh, the singer of Portishead, is essentially saying our music was streamed. He's not the singer. He's the producer. Oh, the producer of Portishead was streamed 34 million times, potentially just in one accounting period. But we don't know that. It was streamed 34 million times. And for those 34 million times, this one individual was paid 1,700 pounds after tax. 1,700 pounds is about $2,500 American. So if you read that, that sounds pretty controversial, right? If that's all you know about the music industry, that sounds insane, right? It's true. But it's not insane. Mm-hmm. And you know, should we should we go through this a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So 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 let's 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 break down that royalty figure that we pulled up. Okay. So you you take this one away. Yeah. Spotify pays uh, famously less than a penny per stream you get. So, but of that pay, less than a penny, so it's technically about uh, an eighth of a penny. So it's almost a penny. Of that eighth, the majority goes to licensed use of master. So you go okay. Break that down for me. That's basically, I'm going to send that check to the record label. Now, here's where it gets even crazier. So that's the majority of this payment. So if you get down and add another zero from that, so a thousandth of a penny, 30... This is rough, Zach, because, you know, I'm supposed to be the one who's good at math. Why here. don't you do point oh oh? like, explain... The, yes, yeah. okay, point zero 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 three is the writer's and the publisher's performance royalty. So both the writer and the publisher then get sent that. So as you can see, that is barely even near a penny, which is why you start to get this. And then there's one other royalty, which is the streaming mechanical royalty, which mechanical royalties are kind of like in the past, the CDs, that's the portion of... It's kind of like to say that you're getting a portion of the sales of the song, not the writing or the publishing or the performance royalty. That's the uh, sale of the song. So... You have that, so that's 0058, um, I didn't even do that right, 0058 of that penny. So, as you can see, it's complicated. if you're getting one of those other two things, you know, the one that's not getting sent to your record label before your recoupment, which is another thing we'll get into, that's a really low royalty. Now, some of the reason that royalty exists is because songwriters in the past, when with radio, I, we've discussed this on a previous episode, but so on radio, the songwriters who gets paid, but and the person who performs it gets paid. So think of it this way. You hear a radio hit song and you hear it from a band, let's say it's Paramore. The drummer, guitarist, bassist, if they didn't write that song, I think one of them does in Paramore. So don't get technical on me for this example. The performers of that song don't get paid for radio play. 
the trade-off when we made digital royalties was now the writers would get less and the performers would get some of it. That makes everything a little bit more tricky in this. So there's almost like a trade-off in the way the royalties are done now in streaming services that the performers are getting something, whereas the songwriters are getting less than they used to get. So this is why you see Pharrell getting mad about Happy be getting so low. Now, Pharrell also has to deal with the fact that when he's getting paid from his record label, the record label uh, is going to take money from recoupment. Now, we've gotten into recoupment as well, but to give you a quick thing, if the record company spends $100,000 promoting your song and you make only $106,000, there's $6,000 for you to split up with the record label. So as we know with pop songs, they spend an exorbitant amount of money to promote these pop songs. And a lot of time, the recoupment fees uh, are really, really low at first. And then 10 years from now, when they're no longer pushing that song, that's when you really start to see the long tail of that. You had this mega big song and it keeps getting played on the radio for years to come and being performed and covered. And that's how you get the royalties is that there's much more of this long tail to how a big, huge song uh, pays off for you these days. Right. And so I, I want to, I, I really like this billboard article as much as I sometimes uh, cannot stand billboard. I really like this Billboard article because it does a good job at breaking down just how many things go into music royalties and mm-hmm. and why someone might have only been paid seventeen hundred pounds for thirty four million streams. Um, so if Jesse will give me a moment here. Let's think of some some numbers. Let's say that I made seven. Uh, let's say that Spotify paid Bad Timing Records ten thousand dollars over the course of four months, which is a royalty period for Bad Timing. Over the course of four months for streams by one band, so ten thousand dollars. That's a good chunk of money. Let's say that there are four members of the band. Um, Bad Timing Records does fifty fifty deals. This is something we'll probably talk more about on a future episode. Uh, Bad Timing Records does 50-50 deals. So, in a perfect world where there are no expenses for anything, Bad Timing Records would get paid $5,000, and the band uh, that we signed would get paid $5,000. But that is not necessarily how the world works, is it, Jesse? There's more that... The world is not perfect, unfortunately. Jesse is old, and I'm getting there, and... um, You just act old. I just act old. Listen to Dad Rock. Yeah. Ah, uh, Death Cab. What if, what if I spent more than one dollar on the band that we signed? They may not see five thousand dollars. And so, what do I mean by that? Bands cost money. So, Bad Timing Records, we pay for recording, we pay for artwork, we pay for advertising, we pay uh, distribution fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe, maybe we bought you a uh, plane ticket so you could go overseas to to tour, and we said that we would account that into your royalties. So in order for bands to make money off of music sold, they have to recoup their costs. So let's say that the manufacturing of uh, this band that we signed, let's say all that and the promotion and publicity, it cost $5,000. We have $5,000 of expenses. If the only income that we made from our band was $10,000 from Spotify, well... Um, that means there are $5,000 of expenses, which means that for this royalty period, we would only have $5,000 of profit. Split that up two ways. That's $2,500 per side. If the band splits their money equally, $2,500 divided by four is $625. 
Jesse, how did they only make $625 if they had so many streams? I, I, I just can't figure this out because there's multiple income streams just like any other business, but musicians went into music because they don't like to do math like you. And so you understand what I just said there, right? That adds yes. a little more clarity. Yes. And so what's interesting enough, and I have I have a I I have a just Jesse, Portishead has been a band for a while, right? It's like ninety four, ninety six. So you would imagine in over twenty years, um, Jeff had probably heard of an income statement, a royalty statement, profit and loss, something. You've, he's probably been exposed. I, 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 tr- truth be told, I th- I'm pretty sure, as I remember, dude likes to smoke a lot of weed. So sure. maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe too, he just too. can't see it through the me, smoke. Me too, yeah. <laughs> so look, if you're listening, like 34 million streams is a lot. And you know what? Portis had made a lot of money from those streams. But we don't know the kind of deal Portis had signed. Let me also mention that Bad Timing Records does 50-50 deals. Major labels don't. The band may only be seeing 18% of profit. So 18% of $10,000 is not a lot of money. I mean, it, it's some money. Zach's but it's going to avoid doing the math of that too. What? Isn't it? Isn't <laughs> it's it just, $1,800. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. It's $1,800. And if you split that up four ways, that's like not much either. That's a couple hundred dollars per person. So, so that's another thing you hit on that we got to explain too, is that we also have to remember these royalties get split up amongst your any of this other songwriters or your band if it's a performance royalty, how many people play on Hey, Portishead has a record with an orchestra. What if they're splitting that all those ways, even though I'm sure they said Oh my God, wait, why do don't it? you think that this Jeff guy um, put any of this in context? Yes. Like, I don't understand. Well, so here's the other thing, too, that's very, very weird about this, is Spotify gets all this bad publicity, yet if I was Spotify, I'd be sending every record company letters and stuff to set stuff those checks with that explain all this education. stuff to the education yeah, like the, 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 they are they are some silly motherfuckers but it's also because they're too busy having weddings in the redwood forest and destroying the environment and doing tons of coke and having crazy parties oh that it's, sounds so much better than our life <laughs> yes totes um i hope to never go to the redwood forest again um Anyway, so, but that's uh, part of me, while we want to say dumb musicians, because I, hey, I say dumb musicians all day, it's also dumb Spotify dash dumb streaming services dash dumb labels. They're getting so shit on. And let's also keep in mind, which brings us to another one of these subjects, the major labels all own portions of these streaming services. Oh, what's bad for Spotify is bad for the major labels because they own huge stakes in them. So there's another thing people don't realize, which is the investors into all these streaming services are the major labels. And as these streaming services make money, they make money. Here's another fun conflict of interest part. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine own a ton of Interscope records. Whole lot of shares there. Vivo, your favorite way to watch a Beyonce video? Huh, Warner Brothers Records kind of started that. It's Wait, are you saying that major labels have an interest in these companies doing well? I, I, you know, it's it's almost like the game is rigged. Holy shit. This is a conspiracy. No one, How has no one ever talked about this before? Um, is it just us? Is no one else listening? We might get killed for this. Uh, I mean, what if the Illuminati comes and shakes us like that weird guy at the mask on the last Game of Thrones? Are you fucking with me, man? <laughs> I didn't see it yet, man. I mean, after all, Sean Parker is married to Daenerys Targaryen on Game of Thrones, right? Is that... Oh, you're right. That broke my heart. I blocked it out. I'm not attracted to her, so that's easy. Oh! Yeah, I'm not into it, man. That's not my type of girl, man. But they got married the Redwood Forest, dude. It was crazy. 
Anyway, back to um, not insulting people about their silly weddings and frivolous spending. Socialist. Yes, I am a socialist. One of the things that we also got into about this major label corruption is uh, we uncovered this thing called the black box. So the black box is your friend if you want pilots to get fired who are drinking other jobs since it tapes them when they're in the airport cockpit. It is not your friend if you're an independent artist. So this black box is a thing. So famously, music has really bad metadata. So what metadata is, is this thing Zach types in all day. Actually, why don't you explain it since you have to do this all the time? Uh, metadata is a really awful thing where you input countless information, um, countless steps of information so that it can be tracked everywhere. And when I say terrible, I really just mean arduous. So whenever I upload a new release to come out, there's, of course, the song name, there's the album, the album artist, etc. But then there's more. What year did it come out? Who owns the copyright? Who owns the publishing? What are the ISRCs? What is an ISRC, you ask? That's great. That's the social security number for each individual song. Then I have to give the UPC. What's a UPC? It's a barcode number. And a barcode number is different on digital, physical, and vinyl. That means every song has one ISRC, but has multiple barcode numbers depending on what kind of format it's on. All of this, Jesse, is metadata. And to have music properly accounted for, allocated, statistically relevant, all the metadata needs to be perfect. Is that a good explanation? Yes. And so the sad thing is the metadata is not perfect. So this article uses the example of um, Jay and Bay's Crazy in Love song. So what they basically say is this song can get mislabeled so many different ways. And then all these songs that are kind of mislabeled and they can't get to the right metadata to account for it. All that money goes into a black box. And then what happens is, is the major labels Holy go shit. and they divvy up that money. So the Indian D... Indian DIY artists, though, don't get that money because they don't got the stakes to negotiate for it. This is why we like <laughs> unions in America, just for FYI. Anyway, what sadly happens is now the major labels, they have with their huge negotiating power, because they have this huge conflict of interest where they own some of the company, they say, hey, by the way, for that investment, you're going to make sure anything that goes unaccounted goes into Making my Making money is like just stealing candy from artists. It, it, the, the, you know, there's a great saying I was once told. The best way to make money in the music business is to exploit the dreams of musicians. Oh, God. I love the, I love exploitation. Smoking <laughs> like a true capitalist sack. Next on our carnival of horrors, now that we know why all these royalties go wrong, um, and we should also say this, too. You know what's very interesting? To get back to the royalty thing. Some so Zach, for example, uses TuneCore, which is what any DIY artist that's willing to punk down some money uses to upload their music. Thank you for calling me DIY. Yeah, you're 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 kind of. We, so we use TuneCore and Big Fancy Distribution ADA. Yes. So with TuneCore, you can see exactly which services are paying you what, and the royalty rates are very transparent. Musicians, when they get statements from their labels, do not always see, because the labels don't want to sit around typing out accounting statements, who they got it from. They just see a blanket thing like, if you're lucky, you're going to see CDs, vinyl, and then digital. And now digital covers Spotify and iTunes. But some of them are nice enough to pass along all the data and see. But sadly, because this doesn't happen, comes another thing where you see all these kids on labels saying, Oh my God, this is a travesty. Spotify is robbing people. You can't just charge $10 a month. Da, 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 da. Let's get into the truth about can you just charge $10 a month and is this okay? Here's a fun statistic. So we do a little bit of math. 
A, that eighth of a penny means that you need to listen to a song 84 times for it to be the equivalent of what a person who bought an iTunes download of that song is. So what I mean is this. When you buy an iTunes download, and let's say the artist is DIY and they're just getting a straight cut of it, they get 67 cents from that 97, uh, 99 cent download. In order to get up to that much money for them to be com- compensated the way that they used to when you'd buy a record on iTunes, you have to listen to a song 84 times. That's a lot. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, you and I have been discussing this a lot and we want to get into something with this. There's not a lot of songs I listen to 84 times. I, you know, and I if, mean, unless they're Blink-182 songs. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's funny is, yes, there's some of my favorite records of all time, and obviously those are some of your favorite records of all time, but I did an interesting thing, which is what everybody can do too. So if you go into your iTunes, and I'm going to look at mine while I do this so I tell you how to do it right, and you select that you want to see the plays field on your iTunes. Or you can even go to that playlist, 25 most played. Well, all right. So you go to my, if you're on the current iTunes in the current system of uh, Yosemite, you go to my music on the top right. Uh, you hit the drop down, you go into songs, and there should be a last played field. And if there's not, you can hit option click and add it in. So you could also go to that 25 most played thing and then click edit and then click, let's say, 2000 items. And you can see how many songs you've listened to that have gotten over 84 plays. Funny enough, Zach, I see that my most played song is Kesha TikTok. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's because I left it on repeat while I was mixing one. So I think I left it on repeat for like a week and left the studio. You disgust me. <laughs> um, but so like, I, I really thought about this and I started to look at my iTunes at how many records I have. Uh, only I don't use iTunes much anymore, so I can't see, but like... The 1975 record's the only one I've had in the last two years that's crossed every song 84 times. Wow. Yeah, uh, over my life, like, I have listened to the Blink songs a million times. I've listened to, like, Paramore, Newfound Glory. Like, there are band, like, I've listened to songs 84 times. Many songs. But think about, like, a new song, right? Like, we, find, we, we get so much music now. It's rare that we listen to, you would, like, a, a record that you loved from when you were 16 to 25 and still listen to today, like you're, you're probably not going to find too many new records over the course of the rest of your life where you listen to it endlessly, 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 right? New music. You agree? Disagree? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think that's the other thing is we're bombarded with so much music now that it's hard to get up to that. Like I think about how much I, I love like Record like on the Impossible Pass from the Menzingers or something like that, and then I look at that because I've only mostly listened to that on iTunes, and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that's only at 73 times for most of the songs. Yep, and that's crazy to me because I feel like I've listened to that record a lot. It makes me sad that they're not even getting compensated that 9.99 cent download. Um, I should back up on that that, that 9.99 cent download thing. One thing we have to also remember is so people then talk about the glory days of CDs. One of the nice things about getting that $6.67 for an album or $0.67 for a single thing from iTunes is, is we do have to remember that there's no hardware, shipping, you know, a lot of the production costs go way down these days. Records are cheaper to make, and you don't have to print up CDs, vinyl, and have that physical packaging. So $6.67 is actually kind of close to what people were paid in best-case scenario for CDs and vinyl throughout time. Best-case scenario. Some would have to actually say that that is a much more generous portion than what has happened before. Yeah, and, every, and something that I really want to, like, 
say again is that every artist has a different deal. Like if mm-hmm. you're an independent artist uploading something from TuneCore, then you're going to see a hundred percent of that streaming money. It may be a penny, it may be ten bucks, it may be a grand. If you've signed to an independent or a major label, you may have a 50-50 deal, you may have a 70-30 deal, you might have a percentage of a percentage. Like every person has a different deal. And beyond that, there are different expenses that every label has for every band. And really beyond that, depending on how many band members you have and depending on how you split music up, royalties are different every time for every band. Yeah. It, it's really important to remember that in context when when you read a, a message about how iTunes has destroyed the industry, how Spotify has destroyed the music industry, how Apple in a month will be destroying the music industry with their new service. Everything needs perspective, and I don't think many of us have gotten to see the actual perspective on this. Yes. So to get back to what I think is a greater thing, so we talk about that $10 a month for Spotify or... Some people would say it's free and that there's some services that are going lower. So Spotify is subsidizing this because people are not paying the music. And the reason they need $400 million is they got to keep paying them checks to the labels and compensating artists with this thing because they're not getting enough income. So my question becomes then is how many times... So actually, I'm going to back up even a little bit. The big problem with buying CDs in a store in the pre-internet era, if you weren't old enough to experience this and you didn't have the miserable childhood I did, is that you'd hear a song or you'd hear the buzz about a record or you'd read a review. You'd go buy that record, you'd get it home, and you go, this is terrible. And at the worst years, uh, so like in 1999 to 2004, you'd have spent around 18 to $21 on that CD a lot of the time Oof. for a record you don't even like. And that started to feel very unfair to people, and that's what made Napster appealing. So then we got to the opposite end of the spectrum where you started to not have to pay a single dollar to hear songs. And now we can, you know, Stereo Gum or Property of Zach puts up a record for streaming. So, and then you preview it, and then you don't have to do it. Or you just listen to it, and now with streaming services, maybe you just listen to ads in between it. But so, let's say you do want to pay artists I think the biggest question about artist compensation is, is when do we feel like is a fair rate and how many times should you listen to something before you paid a fair royalty? And do we, I'm with with you, I'm with you. I think, so is it six times? Is it 20? Like, what do we feel this is? Because I don't think anybody thinks 84 times to give what we've considered was fair in the last 10 years fair. And then we'll discuss whether that is fair or not. But to me, I wonder... If every service forever will abide by these same rules that we set, if we, if we Jesse were, if we were given the power today to make this rule for Spotify, would Audio do the same? Would Beats do the same? Here, here's a here's a fun fact. If you re, let's say you brought this from six to eighty four, every musician and every label would pull out of the other services. Every artist with any control over their catalog. Here's a great example. The Eagles have a good enough contract to pull their stuff out. I had to listen to an Eagles song, which made me want to blow my brains out. Worst band ever. But I was mixing for a client, and uh, so I checked it out. The Eagles don't even come up as a listing on RDO because they pulled out so thoroughly. That's good protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Great joke. Um, Anyway, um, so, but every artist, if you were giving them, I mean, let's, let's do a little math. Six times is 20 times better than what Spotify is paying. When you say Spotify, we should also say Spotify, Radio, RDO, Beats, all these services, Title, 
they're all paying pretty similar. It's pennies, not even pennies difference, micro pennies. Legitimately terrifying how much math is going on in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I I agree, but I do wonder, like, if there are uh, 100 million people paying for Spotify and only a million people paying for another streaming service, that streaming service is going to have a lot of power with how they pay their artists. Don't you agree? That streaming service is going to have a lot of power, but here's the thing is, is it will force a hand if that other streaming service can really get to that number. Now, how you get to that number is rough because how do you convince other people to pay enough more into it? This is going to have to be a seriously slimmed down business model, et cetera, et cetera, in order for it to work. Business models. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Um, So I I don't know what a fair number is. 84 just, that's a number right there, Jesse. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a, that is re- when I when I read that math, it like I, I'm not kidding you. Like my heart sank when I did that math the first time. I did it like two years ago, and it really like it hurts. You're probably never going to see royalties for your remix band. What's the name again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not happening. Um, so let's get into a more terrifying aspect of it. There's this concept called inflation. Do the kitties know what inflation is? Zach? Uh. What did the president say? Probably not. (laughs) So inflation is how much the cost of living and cost of goods increases. So as you probably know this, and hopefully you learned in fifth grade math class while Zach was sleeping. um, I never slept in school. I just wasn't very good at it. (laughs) That makes one of us. (laughs) Anyway, so in 1986, what a dollar was worth is not what a dollar is worth now. Perhaps you've experienced this at the candy store over time, that maybe when you were six and you went to buy your favorite Kit Kat bar, the Kit Kat bar was 50 cents, and then it was 65 cents everywhere over time. That's inflation. So if you consider the peak of the music business, 1984, how much would a record cost now? $37.97. Jesse, I don't even want to pay a streaming service. How am I going to pay $37 for one record? For one record. So that if we go into right before Napster ruined everything for everybody and Sean Parker's hair made every major label person cry, $25.91. So you want to hear scary? So let's call it that. Let's call it 1999, the peak of the music industry. It's, it was just about the peak of how expensive records were for the cost of goods of making them. That is the peak. I shouldn't say just about. You'd have to listen to a song 350 times at the present royalty rate to get it to that. Oh, my God. Music is terrible. We should all quit. It's pretty dark, right? So the real answer is, is that, yeah, it can't be this low of a rate. Now, Spotify says, which is true, which is that they're giving away somewhere in the area of 70%. They call it 80, but when you look at the math, it's really around 70 that they're giving away of their profits to the musicians. So how do you get this up? Pretty much their only way to do it is either one, keep fucking musicians, or two, fuck them even more, or three, the profit model has to change, or four, charge you more money. So the whole thing with Spotify is they're trying to get you addicted to this streaming service. They're trying to say, it's the same thing with Netflix. If you think Netflix is going to be $7.99 forever, you are, I, I would love the crack you're smoking because it must be blissful. Didn't we just laugh, though, at Tidal trying to charge 20 bucks for a plan a month? Because it's not the right time yet. Mm. So here's the thing about being an addict is here's, you know, you know, it's a great example. I was saying this to somebody the other day. Like whenever Blink-182 puts a seasonal shirt up, I buy it. Well, yes, that's, that's not, but here, here's a great, a great thing. You know that in the last uh, 15 years, 
the price of cigarettes has went up uh, six and a half times in New York City. Cancer's a bitch. It's disgusting. But um, so I quit smoking 17 years ago, and cigarettes in New York were $2. Whew, Jesse, yep. you should have bought them and saved them. I'm sure they would have <laughs> sure stayed, you know? Um, and now it's usually about $12, $14 a pack. From that standpoint, when somebody's addicted to cigarettes, they keep paying this rising price. And when you're addicted to the convenience of having any song you've ever wanted on your phone, and you know, let's also talk about this. $20 is two records that you were buying before. It's a pretty easy thing. But now we say this, but it is so hard to get people to adapt to buying music. Here's a great example. One of my friends is 23. She literally uh, hasn't bought music in seven years. So since she was 16 years old. Because she's like, why? I've had Pandora. I, you know, there's no need or illegal downloading. Dude, the millennials. The millennials. Fuck you, millennials. Uh, uh, you're, you're all terrible. You're that, ruining this But world. that's like the average, that's the, like, that's not a music person, right? We always talk about no, how. She's a, she's a music person. But we talk about how, like, you and I, we're not the core person in a lot of what we talk about, right? We pay for things. It's just music's still very important to her, right, but it's right, important right, right. not but, the way it is you and I. Right, but. Like music can still be really important to you, but that doesn't mean you're going to uh, plop down eight dollars to try each new streaming service, you know? Yes. Or pay or pay a hundred dollars for me to have all of them at once, so I can just play around like an idiot for podcasts. Right, and so it's the job of Spotify and Apple and Google, etc., to get everyone that loves or even marginally likes music to begin paying for music, and and they have deemed that the best and easiest way to do this has been to get that individual to pay five to fifteen dollars a month and i yes. think it's slowly working yes and that's the key is you do that it's very similar to what they do with crack in new jack city where they're trying to get the crack addicts made wesley snipes crack thing turns to pookie chris rock's character and he gives it free that it's a little bit more and it's a little bit more they're just turning us into crack addicts i am a crack addict certainly <laughs> anyway one of the things we didn't get into with this inflation thing is that's another side of this that's a disturbing thing to think about, is that the cost of living with this inflation has went up so much, and music musicians' compensation hasn't gone up with it, and it keeps getting worse. Ever since the Reagan era, where we had this idea of trickle-down trickle economics come into being, the rich have been getting richer, and the poor have been getting poorer. There, there's, I can't, I just, my dad just had a heart attack. Yes. There's nothing factually wrong with that. Reagan it was about trickle-down economics. I'm not saying anything that's not, a, not biased at all. Jesse, the fact do not matter in politics. Okay. The rich have gotten richer, the poor have gotten poorer. Both sides agree with this. Republicans are campaigning on this just as Democrats are right now. That is an indisputable fact. With that, because we haven't been giving musicians as much money, musicians are struggling harder and harder these days. There's two things that go into that, which is one, everybody's talking about raising the minimum wage right now. Raising the minimum wage give, puts more people into a place where they can buy frivolous things. Regardless whether we like it or not, music is a frivolous cost. It is a want, not a need. A need is food and shelter. Wants are music. Some would argue you'd be miserable without music, but it is a want. So putting more money into people's pockets, having them have more money to spend and beginning to even out that the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten poorer spectrum by main, raising the minimum wage does help to get this so more people are willing to do this. But secondly, 
it really does become a thing of that, you know, when we talk about raising the price of these things is we have to figure out how musicians get more of a living wage and how we get more income streams. Now, we're all hoping these Spotify ads will help to do that and help to raise this royalty thing, but it has yet to be seen. It's a uh, known unknown, as Mr. Rumsfeld would like to call it. A known unknown. Mm-hmm. That's my new phrase. It's a really good phrase. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing such a demonic man made it. <laughs> well, music. That's what we're talking about today. Do you think, so there's a few kind of paths of what we've been talking about. Do you think in the next year or two that musicians will become more abrasive or more open and less angry and spouting ignorance about streaming services? Do you think people will spread this podcast and link it when their friends write dumb things on Facebook? No. All right, we're fucked. Oh, you're, you're supposed to be the happy one. <laughs> I try. Uh, you know, I'm a tortured child. You're supposed to be the realistic, happy. I guess that's not too realistic. <laughs> so, you know, the next year or two could be really interesting, depending on if Apple does the right service and gets it open to the right amount of people. We're going to see, you know, streaming streaming numbers like boom, and we might really mm-hmm. see digital music plummet, especially if Apple knocks it out of the park. By the way, Apple wants to do this. Apple mm-hmm. wants it. Apple is very good at cannibalizing its own business. Apple's also not very good at being concerned for artists being compensated. Also very fair. But, yeah, I mean, that's just fair. That's accurate. So, what, what I'm saying though, there's a, if Apple is real, if Apple believes that streaming is the future, Apple will cannibalize its music download buys. They will always have it there, but seriously, like, the iPod was Apple's bestseller ever. Um, they said, fuck it, let's make an iPhone and risk everything. Um, this is what Apple does. This is what they always do. So if Apple's going to do it right, we're going to go from seeing tens of millions of people to potentially hundreds of millions of people across the world sign up to streaming services and be paying X dollars a month and tens and tens of dollars a year to streaming services. And um, this is going to be a big change in royalties and sales and and i imagine we're going to see a lot of complaining over the next couple of years yeah i think that there's going to still be this because spotify is not going to get smart enough to do this they're just doing a dumb blog that kind of explains this stuff but i think the other thing too is though and like honestly what does scare me when we talk about this inflation thing is i really don't know that the value of a record is going to keep going up and now another thing we should discuss with this is so we talked about the 35 dollar record um, and then somebody's wisely going to tweet at us and say, hey, that Lord $30 Lord record you always talk about at Urban Outfitters, what about that? So much of that is going to Urban Outfitters' pocket that that is not a traditional $30 record. That's what we when call a markup. Source, yes. So, like, the $35 record we were talking about would be in a chain, like, let's say, Newberry Comics for you New Englanders or a vintage vinyl for your New Jerseyers. And they are getting a very traditional markup of, you know, 40% at best uh, on the CD from a distributor cost. So we really can't call that um, being the same thing and say that. And, you know, we've had this is Urban Outfitters helping music discussion before. Um, I think I still have a stomach ache from it. Um, <laughs> that's not the answer, I should say. That is not the answer. Um, I, I wanted to actually mention one other thing. Um, uh-huh. I read I, I never ended up linking it on the website, but I, uh, you know, I read this article on billboard about Avicii's manager and uh about oh, yeah. how he views spotify and 
I've never heard a more uh, similar perspective on, on Spotify from such like a large and, you know, important figure with lots of money to worry about. Um, to me, I, I'm, I'm very aware that the bands I work with are not Jay-Z. They're not um, this dude from Portishead. And they're also not a little, little, little small band. They're somewhere in the great in-between of the diverse music scene. And um, bands were like Knuckle Puck, Have Mercy, Sorority Noise, Real Friends, Citizen, Modern Baseball. These bands all make all make money from a lot more things other than music. Um, I look, I I wish musicians made millions of dollars from every album they release, but it's it's not practical, and that's 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 a bummer. But it's okay. It's okay because the touring business is the best it's been in years. It's okay because the merch business is the best it's been in years. And to me. Spotify is the best advertising tool mm-hmm. and marketing tool around. You can literally see what your friends are listening to and you can say, oh, I want to fit in. Let me check this out. Oh my God, I just found my new favorite band. It's an incredible marketing tool that unfortunately has not always existed, but it exists now. And if I'm if my bands make $1,000 or $10,000 from streaming in a year, that's great. But you know what? If they have tens of thousands of people listening to them, I think a good amount of those people are going to fall in love with a band, come to their shows several times a year, buy those tickets and buy merch. And and we're going to see money from that. And that's really important. And Avicii's manager took the same perspective where it's just about marketing and exposure. Like you hear people all the time about like businesses, like, well, we got to get more exposure, more name recognition across the country. That's what Spotify is. And it's great. This is a lot of the premise of my book, which is that um, your biggest problem as a musician is obscurity. Um, until you become Metallica or U2, and then your biggest problem becomes how you find the people who already know about you and remind you that you exist after you took three or four years off. Until you're that big that you're like the killers or Coldplay or whoever, your biggest problem is that people don't know who you are and there's potential fans to reach out to. And there is no doubt about it that right now Spotify is the best way on earth for other people to hear about you. Yeah. And this is like, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I, I see my friend Eric like just be like, I found 10 new bands and I think I love them all today. <laughs> wow. I wish I had that but, problem. Like this is like a lot of my friends, I see this happen all the time and it's incredible. Like I'm jealous because I'm, I'm uh, jaded and washed up, but this is like, this is great. Like there's more music. Everyone, everyone fights about or argues about, oh, it's so hard to get discovered. I'm seeing more people discover music now than ever. It's true. The democratization of music is at its best phase now and it's only going to get better. Yeah. And like that, that's important. And, you know, sometimes in the long run, a lot of times in the long run, that's a lot more important than making a little more money up front. You know, I always say with some of the bands I work with, like, let, let's opt for less money now to have a longer and healthier career, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, That's... you you may, it may suck making rent this month, but, or not, you know, buying uh, three more packs of cigarettes, but like, let's make this a career for you. And, and that means taking full advantage of the tools that you have in hand, you know? Well put. So with that, do you have anything else? I don't know. I just, I feel like I got really, I got, you know, I, I gave my heart to it right there. And I, yeah, I, I feel like I, I succeeded. I think that's where we close. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm a, I'm a poet. So do you have any recommendations? So we're both going to recommend something. Okay. And it's going to be very cop and suit. Oh, God. Read the articles we linked in this. 
get informed. And when people write dumb things on your Facebook and on your Twitter, share the show, share articles, and let's let's stop let's start debating real things and start talking about how we get musicians paid and move past the stupid falsehoods. Can I say something? Yeah. Let's save the music industry. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for listening. You can keep up with us at offtherecord.fm if you're on Adobe and listening to us and wondering, man, who is Jesse Cannon? Why is he so jaded and broken? You can subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, check out all the more things that we talk about at offtherecord.fm. We're going to have links for this episode where you can read up and educate yourself and your friends that are not as smart as you. And that will make us all happier inside.